Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Well, thank you, Sinead. It's that time of the week. Once more, Don Casey back on the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Good Times Red FM. Later on, we will be previewing the Cork Hurlers and Footballers weekends. As well, we shall be chatting to two potential Irish NFL players, down football goalkeeper Charlie Smith and Wicklow football goalkeeper Mark Jackson. As next month, they'll both be fighting for a place to make it as kickers in the NFL. Very exciting stuff for them. Congratulations to the Cork Camogie team who travelled to Galway today. They were down six points to two at halftime. Uh, to want to win the match, one ten to nine points in the end. And that's two wins from two in their very national Camogie League uh, campaign. In uh, football, Cork's Adam Ida made his Celtic debut earlier. Coming on in the 58th minute, they drew one all with Aberdeen. And speaking about football, Cork City are in pre-season action tonight against Shelburne in Dublin. I shall try to keep you posted on the score updates on that front. What a cracker we had earlier between Luton Town and Newcastle at St. James's Park. It finished 4 all. Brighton smashed Palace 4-1 earlier in their derby game. Somehow a derby uh, game despite the teams being an, a, a sizable distance apart. Burnley 2, Fulham 2. Uh, and the same scoreline in Everton's draw with Spurs. It might feel uh, more like a win for them with that late, late goal. No point in hanging around here too much as uh, we're going to go to super value Parky Cueve to get an update on Munster's clash against the Crusaders from our very own Rory O'Hagan. Rory, I'm hearing it's not exactly one for the ages, is it? <laughs> uh, not exactly, Dan. The second half has just kicked off. Munster 14, Crusaders 7. Gavin Coombe scoring two tries for Munster from close range. The man is just, his stature is going game by game by game. His reputation going game by game by game as well. Two tries for him today in front of a sold-out crowd here at Super Value Park in Cueve. And it doesn't look to me like there are many spare seats around the famous old venue. It was, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, Coombs got uh, the two tries. It was uh, Joey Carberry with two conversions as well. And Mitch Drummond scored the Crusaders try after a fine team move brought through. Monster's defence, Drummond, the scrum half touching down to put Crusaders on the board. I'm not sure I had Wales legend Lee Halfpenny doing the hacker in Parky Cueve, my 2024 bingo card, but here we are. Uh, that happened today, and uh, Halfpenny didn't last long. He uh, went off injured after 15 minutes with uh, an arm injury. His arm kind of wrapped up in his jersey as he came off, so uh, not uh, a good day for the Wales legend here. But uh, yeah, it's just been a little bit flat, Dan, to be honest. to I me, mean, like, and also sold out crowd here at Park, uh, Super Valley Park Equipe and uh, a big monster crowd expecting. But it's it's a friendly, I suppose, at the end of the day and it's yeah. being played as such. It's not exactly high on the intensity scales. Um, a lot of the game being played in the Crusaders half. Monster's not doing an awful lot. With all that territory, they are only seven points ahead. But look, so given the fellas minutes, I suppose, all Ireland internationals uh, are all the monster internationals away with Ireland. Of course, with the Six Nations, so a chance for a number of players to, to shine and get some minutes into the legs today. And I suppose that's what they're doing. But, yeah, it's just a little bit flat. On. Do you think these are perhaps curtain raisers for something bigger down the line? I mean, hopefully big European Munster game might be held here. Or, you know, the All Blacks, I mean, they're coming yeah. in November. It's not been announced at the Aviva Parky, uh, Super Value Parky Cueve. Certainly could be one of the options. Yeah, I think it's I think it's only a matter of time before competitive once the game is played at Parky Creek. You see the crowd here for what is as I mentioned, essentially a, a friendly game against uh, the Crusaders, a sold out crowd. Um I think if 
it were up to me, I'd be putting Munster versus Leinster here, St. Stephen's Day. Um, you can imagine that game would sell out very, very quickly. Yeah. It'd be a huge event in, in Cork on St. Stephen's Day. And you can imagine, like, you know, five o'clock in the evening of 44,000 or 40 odd thousand people here at Super Valley Park in Queen. I think it's only a matter of time before it happens. I mean, like, we've seen the South Africa A game sold out. This game has sold out. They've both been incredible occasions. It's showed off Park in Queen to the world. Um, it's uh, shown what Munster could do in Cork. And I think, realistically, I think you're probably the same as me, Dan. I think, like, it's only a matter of time. It's, it's, it, it makes sense, doesn't it, for us to play a competitive game here? Like, it's a fantastic stadium, which I suppose a lot of going around the last few weeks, it's not so underused. I mean, it would be great to see more matches of any type, be it football. You saw the Manchester United things um, a few years back, more rugby, more concerts. I mean, Parky Cueve is an ideal venue for things like that. It just doesn't get it. Yeah, and ideally we'd like to see uh, sold out Parky Cueve as well for Cork hurlers and Cork footballers. And that would probably come down the line as well uh, as Cork progressed. But look, it's just, it's such a fantastic facility here. I mean, like, you don't need me to tell you that. I don't think any Cork people need to hear it from me. They know how good a, a venue Parky Cueve is. You're looking around, it looks incredible tonight. Floodlights are on, sold out crowd, um, and uh, it just looks absolutely amazing. And it's a shame that. Munster haven't played a competitive game here yet but I think with this game the South Africa game they've certainly been two very good uh, test pilot matches for Munster at Parking down the road and fingers crossed as you mentioned the big big European game here would be incredible but I think Munster versus Leinster Stevens Day Parking Creeve it has to happen it has to happen that sounds like it would be a classic there's a few oohs and ahs going on in the background is there anything exciting you can tell us happening uh, not particularly. I mean, like the team are just uh, the teams just kicking the ball over back to each other here at the moment. Uh, Munster, I uh, mean, captain today by Alex Kendall, and 22 years of age, leading on Munster in front of the park at Queen. That's going to be an absolute career highlight for him and a man who's going to have an excellent career in red. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit flat. I mean, like, I mean, like Gavin Coombs got two excellent tries, great Munster build up, and uh, Coombs crashing over. Uh, Crusaders here on the attack as they look to get back uh, on level terms are seven points in arrears 45 minutes on the clock uh, Crusaders putting a bit of pressure on this Munster defence on the Munster 22 now some boos there uh, for the Munster fans over on the far side of the post penalty for Munster Crusaders have knocked the ball on and that's the kind of game it is any kind of time a team gets a bit of pressure a bit of momentum going there's a sloppy mistake there's a knock on or it's just the, the attack breaks down and that's the end of that but it's it, it, it's what with it being a friend, I suppose, Dan, it is lacking that bit of intensity, but look, you can't expect that. But um, it's just on an occasion, it's an incredible occasion, it's just that the game is in a flat. Crusaders are in here, and it's Mitch Drummond with his... Oh, no, it's not, it's gone forward. <laughs> thought he was in for his second try for the Crusaders. He's touched down, even though the referee had already blown uh, for uh, the knock-on. So Munster uh, surviving that one there. But yeah, Munster 14, Crusaders 7, 46 minutes here at Super Value Park in Creve. The first game to be played at the venue since uh, the famous rebranding. And as I mentioned in my uh, report at 4 o'clock on uh, the uh, the Red FM Sports Bulletin, that'll be a quiz question in a few years on the line. Rory, thank you so much. Trojan work. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Have a good one. Thanks, Roy, for joining us there. And speaking of super value, Parky Cueve slash Parky Cueve, uh, Kelly on the news desk caught up with Cork GAA CEO, 
Kevin O'Donovan on the renaming of the ground. Yeah, delighted with the naming of Super Value Park at Keefe. It's a process that was ongoing now. It's ongoing with a period of months. I suppose it was in the public domain with a period of weeks. But now we've crossed the threshold and now it's a 10-year deal. Great news for all sides. Uh, how will it help the stadium, this money now? Yeah, well, it's a commercial in- investment by Super Value in Cork G. It'll impact our games. It'll impact stadium debt, obviously, I suppose, which is the elephant in the room. But it's part of a much bigger partnership as well with us aligning with a community, you know, a community-based company really with roots, right across Cork and right across Ireland so it's much more than than, than the cheque essentially it's about a partnership You know there was a bit of controversy there a couple of weeks ago how did you feel in court? Well, it was, it was difficult because we were focused very much on the process and, and reaching outcome. I suppose it got into the public domain when we were midway through that process. We hadn't consulted with our clubs. We were about to do so the night after. That caused a lot of difficulties and a lot of hurt and damage because we hadn't got to that point. So we're very much a democratic organisation. Everything we do is with the mandate of the club. So it became public before we got to that. So that allowed us to, I suppose, some reflection. We had a great debate with our clubs. Clubs are completely understanding of the difficult decisions we face but I know they'll be absolutely delighted when we speak to them tomorrow night about this partnership. And you know it was going to be called Super Valley Park, that was what kind of emerged was that ever the case? Was it always going to be Super Valley Park? That was, that was part of the consideration so there's been months and months of discussions with Super Value and all various types of the name with various Irish, non-Irish various extensions and so on so yes Super Value Park was part of that consideration, it's very clear that that wasn't going to fly with our clubs but unfortunately we, we, we struggled to get the point of consultation with them but we, our desire was always to retain the O'Keefe name and we're delighted that that's the outcome we reached uh, Do you think everyone will be happy with this or is there still going to be people unhappy? No, I I think there'll be a universal welcome for this because there's a real understanding of the commercial challenge we face in promoting our games. So we generate commercial revenue because we want boys and girls playing football and hurling with soggy shoes inside in school today. That's why we get up in the morning. So I think that understanding is there that you need commercial revenue to drive the volunteerism and the games that we all represent. Um, And I think the overall discussion was if we retain the name, if we still face commercial realities, that's the win-win for all sides. And that's, that's where we landed in the end. And just with the deal, is it 300 a year, so 3 million over the 10 years? So these are very complex deals and, and we, we never commented on the numbers out there in the public domain. They were never accurate. Um, this is a long-term deal, very complex deals. There's ticket arrangements, there's advertising, there's signage, very complex in terms of reaching a final number. But it did reach a final number that was agreeable to both sides. It's commercially sensitive, but it reflects the value for super value. It reflects the value that we place in the stadium. So we're delighted. And what makes Super Value the ideal partners? Well, I suppose they have a massive association with the GA as a main sponsor of the All-Ireland Championships, also a sponsor of Cork Ladies Football, who we've seen more and more here in the last couple of years. And then there, there's great GA people working with Super Value across the county. They have that network, and they're very much a regional company and that they're in all our local towns. So we think there's a great match. Obviously, the ticketing has run through Super Value and Centre for many years, so it was a natural fit, we felt. Uh, finally, what can be done to further the name of Padraig in the public's mind. Yeah, and that's a pity because I suppose that was part of our process before we got there was a whole 
series commemorating him with the naming of stands with a, a statue and all that all that got derailed when the process became public so we'll be reviewing all of that now but I think Padraig O'Keefe two things so number one I think a lot of people know a lot more about Padraig O'Keefe now than they did three weeks ago we won't say that was an intentional part of the process but it was a positive outcome and number two I, I sit in Padraig O'Keefe's chair I, I fulfilled the role he fulfilled when he worked for Cork GA a very pragmatic visionary person we can only aspire to fulfil his ideals but his ideals would be kids playing GA in Cork and Cork GA tripled our coaching staff in the last three months we put another 25% investment into our inter-county teams last year so we're all about the games but sometimes business has to be done and if Padraig O'Keefe was here today I think he'd give it a thumbs up Cork legend Tomás Mulcahy also had his say on the controversial renaming it's when big issues came about in terms of Super Value Park or Super Value Park Equive. I was very strong in my thoughts in terms of where parking fee should be retained and uh, I'm delighted that's happened. I think it's a fantastic partnership for both sides and uh, obviously people have listened in terms of super value and parking fee have listened to their delegates and stuff as well and retaining the parking fee side of it I think was the most important factor here um, and then if you take the commercial side of it what, what, what an enterprise in terms of super value that you're getting on board um, head office in Tremor Road the community involvement all over the city and county in terms of a centre of super value where you go and they're integrated into GA already they're national sponsors of our Ireland football series as well so the partnership with, with Parking Cleave I think is, is fantastic and uh, I've sat on committees here for the last four or five years looking to get the commercial side of, of Parking Cleave moving in terms of the debt that's here and that's that's no secret anywhere across across the, <laughs> across the country at this stage and um, like you're talking about your pitch advertising, your premium level seats and then your name rights was always going to be in the equation. Like if you go around the country and I've said to people in the last couple of weeks and you go around the country and people talk about the Gaelic grounds and they talk about Seppo Stadium and they talk about one of them, kind of uh, one of the best hurling teams that we've seen in decades in, uh, in Kilkenny there's name rights there. You have FBD Sample Stadium, you have two scaly grounds, you have UPMC, Northern Park. So it was inevitable. And once the stadium was built, look at it, it's an iconic setting. It was always going to be the case. It was part of the business plan. It was part of the model that was there to get naming rights. And but the most important thing for me as a former player, if the proceeds can go and help us win monster titles down here, hurling and football, camogie, ladies football, and take us to Crow Park to get success for Liam McCarthy and uh, Sam Maguire. I'd be very, very happy, you know, because it has moved on in terms of the commercial entity, the costs of putting teams out, and it's big, big expenditure. I mean, I think last year, I think the, the, the Cork GA came out with figures of nearly two million spend in terms of cost for teams and stuff like that as well, and that's probably going to increase. So every little bit of a revenue stream that comes in can help that, and it can't actually deter it. Is this the start of maybe the players being paid? Um, look, that's for... I don't think that's for here today in terms of an, not, not avoiding the question. I think that's for a bigger scale in terms of Crow Park. I think that's coming down the tracks at some stage. Um, and there's a lot of revenue being generated across media platforms, across commercial advertising and stuff like that as well. And I'm sure people, maybe players sitting back at this will be looking back and say, uh, we're probably the only people running the organisation that are not getting money out of this. Would, would I like to see players being paid? Um, I, I said no for ma- uh, lots of times, right? But it's, it's gone to another level now in terms of where either 
in terms of preparation, it's 24-7. Their, their training morning, noon and night, their, their social lives, their family lives have been impacted and stuff like that as well. So it's a big one. It's a big one. Gonna, that will cause even greater debates than Parky Cueve or Super Value Parky Cueve will, will ever do, you know. Parky Cueve today, what about Croke Park tomorrow and next week? Naming rights. We'll see. I don't think that's going to happen, right? Because it's a national stadium, a national entity. Um, and look, um, maybe if there wasn't debt here, would we, would, would we have needed to go down that road uh, with Parky Cueve? Probably might be a different attitude towards it. But look, I've, I've said recently as well, Paul, if, if Crow Park was owned by Dublin County Board, would there be naming rights in Crow Park? I think there would. It's the business model that's out there. It's the world we live in. It's the commercial entity that's at play at this stage, right? And um, and I know Michal Martin came out very strong and he said maybe we should look at future contracts in terms of stadium bills, that there shouldn't be naming rights and stuff like that as well. I'd always say if Michal Martin wants to come down and write a cheque for 30 million and clear the rest of it here, I'm sure there'll be no argument that I'd either. Finally, it sits well with you. Right, and absolutely. I think it's very, very positive. Um, there was a lot of debate... A lot of WhatsApp messages going around for the last couple of weeks and uh, the slagging was coming from every part of the country and overseas. Thanks be to God, it's put to bed and I think it's a great, great relationship and a great partnership. Where will you buy your groceries from here? Uh, I live in Glanmire, so I'm a strong super value man in Glanmire and Liam Ryan, yeah. <laughs> it does seem like the compromise has been reached. Um, earlier on, I was over the moon to be joined by the Big Red Benches, Ger McCarthy, who has his say on Cork's incredibly uh, disappointing 120-2-6 loss against Jim McGuinness's Donegal, as well as the Cork footballers' upcoming game against Louth in RD tomorrow. Enjoy. Cork kick off their second uh, round of the Alliance Football League tomorrow against Louth in RD at 1 o'clock. Glad to be joined here with Jor McCarthy, our uh, football correspondent uh, practically at this stage. Jor, how are you feeling about tomorrow? Well, Dan, I, I predicted Cork would win in Bally Buffet last weekend and we all know what happened there. So um, I, I suppose uh, cautiously optimistic this time around because um, Cork just weren't at the races the last day up in Bally Buffet. Donegal were by far the better team, deserved the win. Um, and Cork really do need a victory in RD against Louth uh, tomorrow because um, they don't want to go into their next game uh, without any points on the board. Uh, it puts them on the back foot immediately, something they didn't want to do in this year's National League Division 2 because they desperately want to get out of it and back up to Division 1. But they're in a, an, in a sticky enough situation. The good news is, Dan, that um, as a very good article in today's examiner written by Owen Cormack and highlighting Cork's National League record for the last six or seven years, that our opening day record is very, very poor. We haven't won a National League opening game, I think, in six or seven years, if I'm not mistaken. But we've always bounced back with either a draw or a victory um, and hopefully John Cleary and his team uh, in County Low tomorrow can do that and get their National League season back on track. Yeah, he's sticking with the same team. Do you think that's a wise decision? I think John Cleary is playing the long game here with one eye on the championship and there are a couple of newcomers, not so much newcomers to the squad, but newcomers to starting bursts like Sivon McSweeney, Chris Oak-Jones. I suppose he's going with the hot hand, if you want to use a cliche, and the strength of the bench is interesting 
I think this this year, I think even though I'd like to Sean Powder missing in a few others, um, strength and depth looks a bit stronger than this time last year from Cork's point of view. So I can understand why he would go with pretty much the same team. The importance, I suppose, of, of winning in load, Dan, is probably the other reason. He's gone with, with a strong with a strong starting lineup because Cork need a good start, something they didn't do in either half against Donegal. They need to get off to a good start against this low team and they certainly need to get a victory on the board. So I suppose in terms of training and in terms of what's been going on during the week, um, your best chance of a, of a win uh, away from home for the second week in a row, uh, having lost in Bally Buffet, is to go to the same, uh, same lineup. Um, looks strong on paper, but I think more than anything, both in the first half and the second half, something they did not do in Bally Buffet, Cork needs to get off to a good start. They need to get that scoreboard ticking over. Um, and I can understand why he would stick with the Trident Trust. Yeah, what do you think went wrong? Um, the main the main points in Bally Buffet, what, what do you think happened? Um, I, I just think there was a sluggishness about the performance that was unexpected. I'm, again, look, we've been through this before. We don't read too much into the pre-season and the McGrath Cup. But there was reasons to be optimistic, not because we beat Kerry on, on penalties, but because the jailing of the team, the defensive system, there was no year bedded in. Things just looked a lot more settled than they did this time last year, Dan. So for that reason alone, going up to Paddy Buffet, there was there was a bit of optimism saying, look, we've done all right in pre-season, done better in pre-season than we did last year. We should be able to shout here. But I think Donegal had their homework done under Jimmy McGuinness. They certainly got the better of Cork on the kick-out strategy. They turned over Cork too many times. But Cork's Achilles heel, not just in that game at Bally Buffet, but also last year as well, going 10, 12 minute, you know, segments without scoring, you just can't do it against the top teams. And I would, I would put Donegal amongst the top teams because I know they're relegated down to Division 2, but Jim McGuinness uh, in charge of them, they're a completely different beast. And against a team like Donegal, against a team of the calibre of Donegal, you've got to match them physically and you've got to match them stick with them on the scoreboard for as long as you can and too often in that game Cork left themselves with too much to do Left uh, turned over possession far too easily and just didn't keep the scoreboard ticking over they missed what I would deem kickable freeze at crucial times and Donegal were able to keep them at arm's length and I suppose the other big thing and tactic that I noticed or, or disappointment from the game was the lack of pressure on the Donegal forwards Cork's defensive D was was around you know just inside around 45 but too often they didn't get to the Donegal shooters quickly enough to put them under pressure. And you saw yourself, Donegal were able to pick off a no, numerous scores from long distance because of that. And that's something that they've got to address because Lowe's, in their previous match against Armagh, in their opening league game, were very, very unlucky not, not to get at least a draw from uh, taking on Kieran McGinney's side. So this is a decent Lowe team. This is a young, agile Lowe team, very much like Donegal, the way they play on the counter-attack and very good defensively. And if Cork don't improve defensively don't get out and hit the shooters early and don't keep that scoreboard moving they're going to be in trouble Yeah I mean I know we're only one game in Cork were poor but do you think Donegal are now out of nowhere essentially because of McGuinness All-Ireland contenders? Oh, I don't think I don't know if they're All-Ireland contenders simply because they've got such a difficult path through the Ulster Championship if they were to go and win it and your best chance of winning an All-Ireland is to win your province get a decent draw on the next stage and then you're you know you're, you're on the front foot but because Ulster is so strong and like a statistic from the opening round of the weekend National League Dan of the nine uh, Ulster counties that took part across the four divisions eight won and one drew so that's the quality and depth in Ulster that's the reason that province that provincial football championship should keep going because it's so tight and it's, so, it's such high quality but I think if, if the players buy into what Jimmy McGuinness wants to do 
they can certainly challenge at the business end of it. I would certainly see them as quarter-finalists, if not semi-finalists. Very, very early days. But because it's such a difficult provincial championship to come through, I don't know whether they would be amongst the carries of the Dublins or the Derrys just yet. But they'll certainly be much burdened than they were this time last year. And look, that has to be taken into account as well. It's, it's still, look, it's only early February. And I know everybody wants Cork to get promoted from Division 1 or get promoted back to Division 1. But before a ball was kicked, our man, Donegal, were the favourites to take those two slots anyway. So Cork were going to have to, you know, take one of those scalps. They still have our man at home in the final league game. So there is something to aim for. But I, I do think you have to take into account as well the quality of the opposition Cork faced last week. It's no excuses for some of the things that happened and some of the sluggishness about their performance. But um, I, I would say that Donegal, yeah, I, I don't know if they're all earning contenders, but they're certainly going to be in the mix in the last eight, if not the last four this year. Yeah, there's definitely a certain air of uh, do or die for both these teams now. Will Loud be fancying their chances? Oh, absolutely. They'll be fancying their chances at home. I know uh, Mickey Hart and Conor Devlin have moved on uh, to take over in Derry, but the, the the foundations put in place during the two or three years that Mickey Hart was there were clearly evident. I watched back the uh, the highlights of that Lowe's and Armagh game because even just watching it on, online and watching the scores come in, they were with Armagh ball for ball for much of it, and they had a 45 in injury time to get a draw, uh, and it just, or not a 45, but a free, and it just drifted wide. They're a very, very good team. They're very solid. They beat Cork last year um, in, in Division 2, so they, they should have absolutely no fear of Cork um, when they're playing on their home patch in RD, and I think they'll have a big crowd behind them. And look, they know the pressures on Cork just as much as it's on them. Uh, you know, you don't want to go into the third round with no points on the board because, as I said earlier, you start looking over your shoulder, Dan, rather than looking up and, and thinking, how can you force your way into the, into the top two? And that mindset is very difficult to change if you haven't got any points on the board after two, maybe three rounds. This division, I think even more so than Division 1, believe it or not, is far tighter. Uh, Division 2 there's so much at stake everyone wants to get up and everyone wants to avoid dropping down obviously to Division 3 and don't forget the two teams that have come up from Division 3 this year Cavan and Fermanagh they look good as well last weekend so look those at home will fancy their chances I think against anybody to give them a game and if they get off to a bright start Cork are going to have to dig deep to get something out of this one Yeah Brian Hurley in at the full Stephen Sherlock is on the bench is there any news I mean, you might not have the answer is there any news on Sherlock's injury how that's prog- progressing they're keeping it. They're keeping things pretty much close to the vest on that. I think, to be honest with you, the the Munster Championship is what I've heard that we'll probably see Stephen Sherlock, at, you know, at full pelt. But what I would say is that any minutes he gets now, between now and the, the start of the provincial championship, will be a benefit to the Saint Finbar's man. It was good to see, you know, fifty minutes for Brian Hurley the last day was certainly a bonus, um, something that the, the Castlehaven man definitely needed. Like, don't forget, he's just finished an All Ireland club championship, so he hasn't had much of a break. But from Sherlock's point of view, if he is carrying any kind of injury, I'd rather he was flying fit at the start of the Munster Championship or maybe towards the end of the National League when we might be in with a shout of forcing our way into the top two. Who knows? Um, but I think they will, they're, they're, they're being very cautious with him and they're being very cautious with anyone else right now that's got a niggle. And I think that's the right approach, certainly. I mean, if he was fully fit and he was, you know, bouncing off the ground, absolutely, Sherlock would be straight in. But as of now, if he's got any kind of niggle and they're not saying much about it, he's better off just being spared and get the minutes into the legs but be ready to hit the ground running when the Munster Championship starts. Yeah, we gave our predictions last time and I think um, <laughs> jinxed the team. We, we'll go for it again. Uh, <laughs> what do you think the score is going to be? Or I'm going uh, to do... I go, yeah, I, I got to do John Cleary a Cork favour here and tip... Ad, uh, tip uh, no, no I, I think... What was interesting was John Cleary's aftermatch comments 
uh, Dan, he clearly was very up. He, without being saying it out loud, he was very upset with the sluggishness. That's the word I keep coming back to of the performance. Look, you can have a bad day with you know the conditions. It's up the north. It's a big. It's a big ask to go up to Donegal. But what you don't expect is that the things you've been doing well that you're not able to do them. You know, you're not able to re- replicate the things that you did in the preseason. So I think more than anything, he wants a performance. Obviously, he wants to win, John Cleary. But what he needs now is a 60-minute performance where they're pushing loud all the way to the final whistle and, you know, maybe just edge a victory. Um, I was cautiously optimistic heading up to Donegal. I'm a lot less optimistic this time around. But I think because the pressure is now on these players and I think they might have felt a bit of the sting of some of the criticism that came from that performance we will get a reaction. Whether we get a reaction that's good enough to get all three points, I'm not sure, but I would cautiously say this time around, I think Cork will edge it, but it'll be very, very close. Joe McCarthy, thank you so much for joining us, as always, on the Big Red Bench. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, thank you. Thanks, Mayland Sujur. As always, he's currently enjoying himself at the park at the Munster game. And speaking of that game, the score is still Munster 14, Crusaders 7. After the break, I will be chatting to journalist Dennis Hurley, a good surname for a hurling writer, to preview Cork's Allianz Hurling League opener against Clare tomorrow in Ennis. We will also be chatting to two Irish potential hopefuls trying to make their way into the NFL. Dan Casey here on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Good Times Red FM. Be right back after these. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. At Vodafone. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Yes, you are listening to the Big Red Bench, the latest from the Six Nations with 73 minutes gone. It's currently Scotland 27 points, Wales 26. Wales clawing them uh, right back down. I'm um, going to the hurling now and I was thrilled uh, to be joined by journalist Dennis Hurley to preview Cork's Allianz Hurling League opener against Clare in Cusack Park tomorrow. Enjoy. Tomorrow at 1.45, the Rebels open up their Allianz Hurling League campaign against Clare in Cusack Park. Ennis, joining me a bit to talk about the game, is journalist Dennis Hurley. Dennis, how are you feeling about the opener tomorrow? Hi, Dan. Yeah, it's it's a hard one to call, I suppose, really. You know, there's always there's always a bit of unknown around the first league game. You don't know... You don't know kind of how how count, how much counties have done in relation to one another, um, and then obviously there's an extra unknown with Cork, given that the the Limerick match in the Munster Hurling League was postponed three times, so they only had the match against Clare really, um, you know, and, and a couple of challenge games to go on. But I, you know, you'd be expecting expecting a good performance. Um, like Cork have named a, a fairly strong team, and from talking to Pat Ryan during the week. Um, you know they'll be they'll be putting a lot of store in the league like last year they got to the semi-final the year before they got to the final and the fact that teams are kind of vying for places in next year's Division 1 will will give a bit of meaning to it alright so you know you'd be expecting you'd be expecting a, a good a game of good intensity and, and just the fact you know that Cork know they'll be playing Clare down the line in the Munster Championship they'll be wanting to, to lay down a marker especially given Clare have been you know Limerick's closest challengers in Munster the last couple of years yeah, I mean, the game the last time Cork won in the end, uh, just about with the one goal being the difference, would you be happier if you were a Clare fan or Clare management going into tomorrow off the back of that? I, I It's hard to know, really. I suppose, I suppose they'd, they'd, probably, they'd, they'd probably be happy coming in having beaten Cork in the Championship last year. You know, that was a, a, you know, that was a brilliant game up in Innes. Obviously, we probably weren't able to appreciate 
what a good match it was given that you know Cork came out the wrong side of it and then ended up losing to Limerick um, but I suppose the big question for Clare is is um, have they have they passed their peak as a team you know they got to the last two months of finals ran Limerick close both times and then lost to Kilkenny in the All-Ireland final on each occasion like they couldn't kind of push on from that and you just wonder you know their, their, their main guys are getting older and you know they probably don't have the same the same depth of quality of young fellas coming on the Cork do obviously with Cork then the question mark is can fellas step up and kind of show that they are worthy of, of a place in the, the the match day panel and the, the team for the championship so you're going to have competition for places that way I think I think you know I don't think there's a lot between the sides um, generally speaking um, and I, I I'd be expecting a close close margin like like that match a few weeks ago in Parkering and like the Munster Championship game last year. Yeah, do you think the heartbreak for Clare over the last few years has really uh, potentially weighed them down over time? Maybe so. Maybe you know. I I, I suppose they probably wouldn't be looking at it that deeply. Maybe or you know when when you're in the middle of it, you you probably don't. You don't look at it in those terms, but I think definitely the fact that you know they beat Limerick last year in the Gaelic grounds and then lost to them in in the Munster final by a point, fair enough. But you know Limerick still came out on top. You know that probably feels like a missed opportunity for Clare. And then, like I said, not being able to get the better of Kilkenny. You know when when it's a Kilkenny team that isn't at the levels of the great sides under Brian Cody, like that Clare couldn't get past them for another rattle at Limerick in in another in a final definitely feels like a missed opportunity and it is just so hard to go again you know when it's so difficult first of all to just finish in the top three in Munster and then get to a Munster final and then you know make headway in Croke Park you know Limerick probably make it look easy um, a lot easier than it actually is um, and Clare will definitely have regrets and you know like, like with anyone the clock is only going one way so you, you don't know you don't know how many opportunities you're going to have left so you know, you know what you're going to get from Clare. Brian Owen has been in charge of them for a good few years now. Um, you know, they, they they never lack for for honesty of effort or anything like that. They have good scoring forwards. They have John Condon leading the half back line. Even even um, Ryan last year got a, a few points against Cork um, from, from the half back line as well. You know, that's something Cork looking to to clamp down and so it's from from that point of view it's it's a very good challenge I think for Cork playing Clare away the first day to gear up then for Kilkenny coming to Super Valley Park at Creve next Saturday night Yeah you mentioned some of the younger guys stepping up who do you think who do you think they're going to be? For for Cork is it? Yeah Yeah well I suppose you know they, they named the league panel there during the week um, and yeah Ben Cunningham in it and um, Michal Mullins and Brian Saunderson from last year's under twenties, um, and you know they'll all be um, they'll all be hoping to kind of to, to stake a claim. Ben Cunningham, unfortunately, is probably out for a few few weeks now um, with injury, so that'll probably affect his chances. Obviously, they've gone with Owen Carey um, in the team for for Sunday, which would be interesting in midfield alongside Brian Roach. Brian Roach's twin brother, then Owen Roach, is at full back. Um, and you know you, you've shown to me from Corsi Rovers a guy who's been on the fringes of the panel the last couple of years he's given a start at right half forward um, you know so th- there's there's opportunities there um, 
you know, Robbie Cotter could come off the bench. Um, you know, so the management last year, they weren't afraid to, to kind of throw guys in. And if, if they did well, they, they kept their place. You know, someone like Brian Roach now and Tommy O'Connell were good examples of that, that they did well in the league and they kept their places for championships. So it, it definitely is a meritocracy that the management are running. No one, I think, really could be considered to be... Um, you know, to be absolutely guaranteed their place, um, you know, form will dictate it. So it, it, it's it's a great chance. And it, you'd hope then that it would bring out the best in fellas that there'll be such strong competition. Yeah, was there any particular standout for you in that uh, match against Clare? Um, I suppose it's always it's always hard to judge, um, you know, January hurling and a pre-season competition like that. Um you know, guys, guys are still just kind of, you know, finding their feet, um, and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it, it's just about getting in. Um, what, what did I say? Just getting miles in the legs, really. Yeah. Um, you know, it's. I, I suppose the 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 big thing that, that came out of that game was the fact that Declan Dalton got injured. Um, and you know, he he'd be missing for most of the league now, which obviously is the opposite of what your um what you're hoping for. Robbie O'Flynn did very well that day. Um, when he came on, he he, he got a point or two. Um, and, and Robbie Cotter, I think, got four points that way. And obviously, Owen Carey did well um, to the extent that, that he's given a chance again. Um, but, you know, I think in a few weeks' time, that match will, will have been completely forgotten, especially given that the competition went unfinished um, when they couldn't couldn't find a date then for the, um, the Cork and Limerick match. Yeah, I mean, from our from our five games here, uh, we have Clare, obviously, tomorrow, Kilkenny, Waterford, Offaly and Wexford. You'd imagine we have to be aiming for it to win four out of five, really, Dennis, do we? To be to be safe, to, to you know, to be safe in terms of a top three finish. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, you know, if you do finish in the top two in your group, you, you get a semi-final, which is... You know, it's of good benefit with with the championship coming. It probably doesn't really matter at that stage, and if you do actually win the league or not, because if you win the league and fall flat in the championship, no one's going to be saying, "Geez, you know, at least with a great league." Like you know, it is championship is to be on the end. I think though, just finishing the top two or you know to get the extra game, definitely the top three to to come in the. Um, to, to, to finish in the you know in the places for for next year's league is, is imperative. So all things being equal, you know you'd be expecting you'd be expecting Cork to to beat awfully. You know, unfortunately for them, they, they'll probably finish uh, six out of out of the six in the group. You know, Cork Cork probably be favourites going to Wexford. So you know. It, the way the schedule has fallen is is probably probably helpful that way in that there are two two games you'll be looking to win away from home and the Clare is definitely the toughest of the away games then then you've got Kilkenny at home and then Waterford at home so if you won your two home matches like you say and then if you, if you manage to win two over the three away games you know you'd be in you'd be in a great position so that that presumably would be the the objective yeah yeah and the Inascara man Sean O'Donnell who also again named captain for the year. Um, you you think that's a good decision? I do, yeah, yeah. Like he, he was unlucky last year. He got injured in the first um the first league match against Limerick and then he wasn't seen again until the Clare match in the championship in, in Cusick Park and he, he had that game and he had the Limerick game, so it, it was a bit disappointing for him that he didn't get to have a proper year as captain. 
Um, but I think all of the reasons that he was chosen by Pat Ryan a year ago are still just as valid. And, you know, he's a year older and a year wiser. And he's probably extra determined to, to make the most of it, given given how last year went. So, yeah, I think I think that's a, a very good um, good decision, yeah. Hockey starts in full forward. I mean, there's been a few calls from people over the last year or so, even though he had an incredible season last year, that maybe he's getting uh, on the older side. What do you think about those uh, type yeah. of comments? Well, <laughs> unfortunately, none of us um, none of us can can stop the clock, so he is getting on the older side. But uh, you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's affecting him to any any um, any huge degree. Like you know, he's he's like you say, he was really good last year. Um, you know, I mean, Ben Ben Cunningham said uh, said to me, he's only getting better. Yeah, that's it. You know, his skill levels, you know, the, like the amount of work he does, like he's just proof that, you know, like he is a supremely talented player, you know, with natural skill, but it's the work he does on top of that. Like he's, he's just, just shows, he, he's a great example for any young player, like as how hard you just have to work to get to the top and stay at the top. And like, like, like you say, Ben Cunningham said, he's only getting better and Ben would have seen him at, at close quarters. You know, he, he puts in all the effort and all the work to ensure that um, that that he does stay at levels he is. And you know, if if there's no noticeable signs of him be, being affected by the aging, I wouldn't see any reason for it to to be um, a source of debate. Like. Yeah, if you're picking one player from this group who's going to have a standout year, who do you think it'll be? We we won't hold you to it anyway, Dennis. <laughs> um, it's it's tough one, but I you know he, he obviously had a great year last year, um, and um, I think you know he he's only developing more and more as a leader. But like Kieran Joyce, like when you consider he's still only um, still only twenty two, and you know he has that centre back position locked down with with the last last two years more or less, like and the um, for, for foreseeable as well, certainly. Oh, th- that that's it. Yeah, like he he's someone. Like I, I know, I said earlier um, that there's probably not too many players absolutely guaranteed their place. He's he's probably the closest thing there is to that. Um, you know, he was nominated for Young Hurler of the Year last year and it was well merited. And you know, he's um, he, he's only going to get better. Um, he's someone you can build your defence around and build build a wider team around, um, and you know, really just provide a, a solid solid anchor in that defence. Brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. Uh, I mean, ultimately, your prediction for tomorrow? Uh, probably, probably a bit biased, but I, I think I think a, a narrow cork win. Uh, that's what we want to hear. And I suppose for, further down the line, where should this team be aiming at? I know it's very early, very, very early. But is this all Ireland or bust, or what do you think the? Uh, I wouldn't. I, I don't think you could ever say it's all Ireland or bust when when you have Limerick there and looking so. You know, such a daunting prospect for anyone else. I think, I think it's, I think it's top three in Munster or bust. You know, in terms of, you know, when when Cork didn't get out of Munster last year, it has to be the aim just to to improve on that. It'd be great if they could finish in top two and and get to a Munster final. But I think, you know, gradual pro- progress, um, and one, once people could see a clear sign of improvement, there there'd be a kind of. Um, a satisfaction like the things are going in the right direction OK Dennis thanks so much for joining us and uh, enjoy the match tomorrow alright thanks a lot Dan cheers cheers thanks to Dennis there the latest from the park is Munster 21 Crusaders 14 not much changing there 
Uh, I was only thrilled during the week to catch up with down footballing goalkeeper Charlie Smith as he tries crack his way into the NFL, the American one now, not the Irish Football League here, as a kicker through the international player pathway. An interesting uh, interview here. Delighted to be joined here with Shirley Smith, formerly down goalkeeper uh, from Mailbridge to potentially the NFL. Shirley, how did this uh, all come about? Yeah, it's, it's a bit mad. You're saying off from Mailbridge to the NFL. Um, yeah, um, I suppose I, I, I went to my first session down in Dublin and um, uh, the NFL pathway hadn't even opened at, at this stage for kickers and punters uh, for international players. And I uh, went and tried it out and uh, enjoyed it and then a couple of weeks later, I was kept. Um, Tag had asked me to come to session in Banbridge, the likes of Rory and Niall, and and um, just getting through them lads was unreal. And I suppose, and for me, like you know, I was, I'm a bit considerably considerably younger than them lads. And just getting through them was was class. And uh, yeah, we just took it step by step. And he says, "Look, lads, there's a, a trial on here in Loughborough. You know, there's spots up for grabs. They go to the NFL Combine. For me, being a huge fan of the sport." The NFL Combine, there's a for somebody to say there's a chance here to go to the NFL Combine and he sort of lit up a bit. And yeah, uh, yeah we went and give it a go and look, that's taken to this this us to this point, I suppose. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of people I guess listening in that don't know about what is the international pathway. Okay, so yeah, so the international player pathway is is for uh, athletes all around the world. Um who who have the uh, the opportunity to get seen by an NFL scout. Um, to to go to a, a, a program in in Florida where they have the opportunity to for us for the kickers and punters we're going to the combine, um, but for other lads I think their pro day is in Florida. So basically, just it's, if you have the opportunity to, and they see potential in you to to think God this man can play in the NFL, um, and it could, you can be from any country around the world. Yeah, what what are the biggest differences between striking a meal size five and uh, an NFL ball? I suppose actually the biggest difference for me is past year in this time of year is the NFL ball is a whole lot easier to get under, um, and for me that's a good thing because obviously you know it's it's easier to get up in the air to get to your target and um, yeah I suppose it's a wee bit lighter as well um, and obviously the oval shape of it. Uh, you can only kick the NFL ball really the one way, especially on field goals, and you have to have the same technique every time, the same strike every time, to order to ensure that you know this man knows what he's doing. Like he's not just having a go at, it. he's not, not just winging it. He, he's prepared. He, you know, he's he's planned, and uh, you know, and uh, I suppose really that's one thing you've learned is just the whole technical side of the kick. Whereas um, whenever you kick and kick football, you have your freeze, you have your routine. You don't really delve too much into it. Like you, you just have your routine, and you don't know if it's the same every time. And that's just that's helped through watching your kicks, you know, and, and video analysis with Tig after, and um, you know, just getting to watch back your kicks and uh, recording your kicks, and um, that's something I've done. Uh, I find it's very beneficial, and I'm very actually find very intriguing to see, you know, even now if I'm watching game TV, I nearly record a kick on look, I'm just to see. Know what the differences is between his and mine, or whatever, or you know, just wee things they got there. I'm just very interested in pace kicking in general. Yeah, but I suppose in Gaelic, there's not a bunch of 20 stone lads uh, trying to take your head off. How do you yeah. train for that type of pressure? Uh, yeah, I suppose uh, it's been good now to get live snaps in recently. So basically, where the the, the long snapper has ball between his legs, he throws it through th- through his legs, and the the holder will obviously catch the ball and place it and try and have. The laces pointing towards target and have your the kicker's preferred lane, which for me is just up and down really. 
And uh, I suppose so we've had good exposure to that. Um, we've had live reps. So basically you have to try and run towards the ball to where this ball should be without the ball actually being there. So that's been a massive difference. So like you're looking at your spot, the ground, and looking at your target. And whenever you're looking at your spot, the ball's not there. So that's been the massive difference. Um, but yeah, um, I suppose <laughs> that that's the aim of it where whenever you're practicing, you only have three steps hit your kick. So if you're only hitting three, st- th- sorry, if you're only hitting three steps at your kick, the kick shouldn't be getting blocked. Like, so that if, as a game, if you're to take eight steps, then you're probably going to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. hope not for your sake anyway. Yeah, so let's hope not. You mentioned there that you were a fan of the NFL. What team do you support? Uh, Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, which you hope yeah. uh, they might have you in mind, hopefully for this combine. Oh, look, no, look, look we'll, we'll see what happens. Like, um, I suppose um, they drafted a kicker last year, so it's, uh, um, it's probably unlikely. Like, but um, at the end of the day, to get to play for any team would be unbelievable, and especially the, the team you support. But um, I'm not, I haven't really thought about that too much. Like, I'm just really focused on, you know, Florida and make, and even training at home and just enjoying every training session and making the most of every training session and. You know, hopefully that'll give me up towards the combine and then take it from there from after the combine. Yeah, you see the combine on TV and I guess there's a lot of 40 yard dashes and things like that. Is the kicker expected to do that type of stuff as well? Or um, is it just purely kicking? Look, I, I would have an interest in doing that like because I feel like over 40 yards, um, you know, uh, was probably in football where you do a lot of speed training. And I know in the club and anyways in the, in, in the county, like, you know, a lot of your warm-ups is speed work like so I would have liked to have done it but I'm unsure if we're able to do it um, based off the days we're in Indy maybe I'm, I actually I, I don't entirely know the, the schedule and what's happening with that yet and um, I'm sure I'll find out uh, in the coming, few, in the coming uh, weeks but uh, yeah. again I suppose the main thing for a kicker to do is to make sure that the ball goes over the bar and uh, that's that should be our main focus I suppose and uh, that's what it has been like yeah, the Super Bowl's not uh, too far away. We'll be keeping a, a close eye. Okay, yeah, we're actually, we play next Thursday, so we'll be in Florida together to watch it and um, to get meeting up with the other lads and I'm sure we'll all watch it together. And um, that, that'll be class and stuff. To be in the NFL environment to watch the Super Bowl, is that's that's, that's pretty cool. Like, and uh, I don't think many people can say that they've done that now, especially from Maryland anyways. Yeah, it's just a month of intense training before the actual combine itself over there. Is Ty going to cheat? Yeah, Ty. So Ty's our coach out there, which is brilliant. Like, so again, you know, I feel like Ty's been a massive influence on you know my improvement uh, so far as a kicker, and um, so it's great that he's going out to Florida with us. And um, obviously, yeah. So it's I think it's it's a pretty hectic schedule now, but that's class. I guess that's what you know. Anyone who wants to be a professional athlete, that's that's what they want to do. And I think it's seven a.m. to eight p.m. days, most days. And you know, that's what what more would you want out there in in, in sunny Florida? Like, yeah, you're the youngest of the crew going over. So what age is it? Twenty two. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah. So, so maybe if it doesn't work out this year, do you, would you go for it again next year? Do you think it'll be a one and done type of situation? Um, it's hard, it's hard to know now. Um, to be honest, I haven't really thought about that because just solely focused on this year and trying to make it happen this year. But um, I haven't really thought, you know, well, if it doesn't work out this year, because at the end of the day, you know, uh, I'm trying to think as, as positive as possible about it and envision myself getting signed. And, um, and I suppose just if you just stick to the process and stick to the journey, then, you know, hopefully I put myself in the best possible position to get signed this year. 
And look, who knows what happens after that? I don't. I don't. I haven't really thought much about the future, to be honest. Well, thank you very much to Charlie Smith there and huge drama in Parky Cueve to end it all. It was 21-14 Munster coming into the 80th minute, but then the Crusaders got over the line to make it 21-19 and their kicker then missed the kick. So Munster take the win in the park. Great scenes there at the moment. And I was only thrilled during the week to catch up with uh, down footballing goalkeeper or sorry, um, Wicklow footballing goalkeeper Mark Jackson. He was only one of three goalkeepers to score over 100 points at inter-county level. And he is also going for the International Player Pathway programme as well. And if you want for more info on that programme, check out www.nfl.com forward slash international forward slash player pathway. Here it is. Enjoy. Mark, from uh, Bolton Glass to the NFL, potentially, <laughs> how are we feeling about this one? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I can't wait for it. Um, it's, I suppose, it's something you never think is possible from a lad from Bosnast who has an opportunity on his fingertips to make it into the NFL. And it's, yeah, it's not something I'm taking lightly. Anyway, did you know anything about the NFL before this whole process began? Began, or what's your story? Um, I would have watched bits and pieces, but uh, I wouldn't have been someone who would have stayed up late at night watching games or anything. I wouldn't have been a, a, a an avid supporter of any team or anything. But yeah, I would have, would have watched bits and pieces. But um, yeah, since this kind of came about, I've been yeah, I've been kind of stuck in uh, to red zone at the weekends and watching as many games as possible. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Uh, I think the Chiefs now. I, I just I think there's no stopping Mahomes at the minute. He's uh, I, th- I, I, th- I have a feeling the Chiefs now are probably an unpopular opinion, but I think the Chiefs will do it. What do you reckon of this whole uh, Taylor Swift stuff going on at the moment? Uh, yeah, I think it's a uh, it's been a big marketing boost for the for the NFL. Anyway, I'd say there's plenty more women tuning in of a of a Sunday evening to, to watch games. Anyway, I know my girlfriend has been uh, been watching a lot more of the, of, of the games now that, uh, that this is going on. So you you could be the Irish version, is what you can be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <sighs> For your soul, I mean, I'm sure you'll be kicking a, a football of some description all your life. But for yourself, what are the biggest differences between the O'Neill size five uh, and an American football? Yeah, I suppose the actual technique of the strike itself hasn't been too bad uh, of a kind of transition. I'm lucky enough that my strike of a Gaelic football was kind of fairly straight through the ball, um, which is kind of, it's fairly transferable over to American football. Um, I suppose if I had if I had a strike where I was more curling the ball, it it would be a bit more of a of a transition, which would have been a small bit harder. But yeah, it hasn't been uh, too bad in terms of that. It's probably more your your operation times in terms of your your snap to your hold to your kick of one point three seconds. Getting used to that kind of trusting in your snapper and your holder that the ball is going to be there for you when uh, when it should be in the right position. So yeah, there's there has been kind of challenges and stuff but um yeah no it's it, it's been it's been uh it's been good to kind of yeah learn learn new uh learn new techniques i suppose and, and tricks yeah it's all well and good i suppose getting the 1.3 seconds you know in practice in theory but when it's a bunch of 20 stone lads uh running at you trying to take your head off how do you train for that type of pressure 
Yeah, I suppose like if you're getting the ball off in, in that in that time in in 1.3 seconds, you're you're not going to you know you're not going to be blocked if you have enough height on your kick and you know, you're not going to be blocked. So you just have to you know the, the way we're preparing at the minute is um, is getting off in that time of, of your 1.3 seconds, um, and then when we get to Florida, there'll be more of that of you know. The actual, you know, you you have a, you'll have lads uh, charging down trying to block. So that yeah, that'll evolve. But yeah, here in Ireland, we've been trying the last five months of kind of probably started from just off sticks and uh, off the tee, and you know, but it's progressed into live reps of your snap, your holder, and and the kick. So yeah, it's it's been progressing, and will continue to progress over the next probably four weeks. Yeah, and if there's a lineman getting there a bit earlier than you would have anticipated, are you trying to change your kick technique so that it's going to scoop up over him? Or are you just doing it regardless? The technique stays the same. Yeah, the technique is the same. Like, you know, we're, we've been training to, to have really good height on our kicks. So, we, like, you know, a ball that's, that's just scraping over the bar isn't really good enough. Like, we know we know that ourselves that if you, like, it might go over the bar, but, you know, it's it doesn't have the right trajectory or height. You know, we know ourselves that, you know, when it comes to when we're potentially in an NFL team, that's not going to be, that's not going to be good enough. So, we're, yeah, we've been pretty hard on ourselves in terms of the way we're training and being really purposeful with, it, with our practice. Yeah, you've uh, you're one of three players to score over a uh, hundred points in a uh, goalkeeper. Sorry, I should say yeah. in uh, in Gaelic football. I mean, how many points do you expect to score in the NFL if you get there? Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, I I never I never really had thought of it as a Gaelic footballer of, of this happening. It never was something that was really on my radar. So, um, yeah, it, it was for yeah for for that to happen, I suppose was was a, was a nice little achievement for me. Um, but yeah, it's I suppose you know consistency is what you're what you're after, and yeah, hopefully I can I can bring the consistency I, I've had from Gaelic football over to. Um, an NFL franchise yeah I'm sure you're obviously used to the pressure situations there yeah. Rory Began is also one of the other players uh, on that uh, exclusive list what's it been like training with him yeah it's been good yeah we've the whole kicking group we've we've got really close um, as friends over the last couple of months training together um, so yeah no it's it's been it's been really good uh, getting to train with lads and kind of picking their brains on, on different teams um, and yeah, it, it's 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 funny. It's it's very like a kind of a goalkeeper group. Um, you know, you're you're, you know, we're essentially probably competing against each other, but we're really close, and we all want to we all want each other to do well out of this. So yeah, um, yeah, it's been no, it's been really good, kind of sort of learning from different different players and stuff. Yeah, Charlie was mentioning you might have a, a Super Bowl party potentially. Are you looking forward to that one? Yeah, yeah. Char- Charlie is a Charlie's a, a huge super fan of the NFL, so that, that's that's right down his alley, you know. But uh, yeah, no, I, I never thought I'd be um, part of an NFL group um, in America on Super Bowl weekend. It's pretty special. So um, yeah, no, I'll uh, I'll drink that in. Will 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 you literally drink it in? Will you be treating yourself to uh, not so chicken wings and? Uh... Few Bud Lights, or what's the story? No, no, I don't think so. I, I've, I've told myself that uh, I won't, I won't be taking a drink until uh, I hopefully have an NFL contract in my hand. <laughs> what does your family make of this whole thing, Mark? 
Yeah, they've been super supportive. Um, I suppose I'm lucky with the family I have. Like, if anything I I want to do, um, you know, they'll back me up on it if if if, if I want to do it. So, yeah, they've been great. Um, my family and my friends have been so good. They're really supportive. Um, I suppose at the start they probably didn't understand how, like how big this is. Um, but now that they understand it, they're yeah, they're all super behind me and yeah, want me to go and grab with two arms. What about um, McConville and uh, the rest of Wicklow management? Have they been asking for your back? Say if this doesn't work out, hopefully it does for you. But if it didn't, do you see yourself with the Wicklow footballers this year? Yeah, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest. Um, I'm still in the WhatsApp group, so... Um, they, they, haven't, <laughs> they haven't been kicked they, out yet. They haven't booted me out yet, but... Um, yeah, I, I, have, I have it on mute there, so it, it's, not, it's, uh, it's not bothering me too much, but... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'd love to say no, um, and and I won't be back. But yeah, who who's to know what what the next probably six weeks, seven weeks is going to bring? It's going to be a crazy ride over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, if you get the contract, they'll kick you out uh, faster than one point six seconds. I'd say. Well, if you do get signed to a team, is there anywhere in uh, America you know you'd hope to live, or is there a team in particular that that'd be the one for me? Um, no, uh, as you could probably think, I, I, I'm not. I'm not too fussy who wants to who who wants to pick me up. Um, but yeah, obviously, obviously, somewhere uh, somewhere with a bit of a, an Irish community would be nice um, around. But yeah, no, look, it's. I think wherever you end up, um, or hopefully end up, it it'd be just it would be an unbelievable achievement, and uh, it would be a, a life 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 changing opportunity. Yeah, when are you heading to Florida? We're heading next Thursday. Okay, very good. And it's just a full month of intense training, and then yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's a month of of training. So it was like we've we've done we've done five weeks or around five months here, four or five months here of training. Um, so yeah, when uh, when we get to Florida, I suppose it's just fine tuning and just getting. Like I suppose when we get to Florida, it's not just training for the combine. It we're, like we're training and preparing to be to be on an NFL roster next year. You know, it, it's not just trying to to perform on on the day of a combine. It's it's get yourself ready to to be thrown in the deep end of an NFL roster. And you know, so it's yeah, it's going to be it's yeah, it, it's definitely not a holiday we're going on. It's going to be an intense couple of weeks. Um, for a couple of weeks that that I'm looking forward to training like a professional for for four weeks and and yeah the combine is is going to be yeah, it's going to be um it's going to be a high pressure environment but one I'm thriving and looking forward to getting to. But besides kicker or punter now, is there any other position on the field that uh, you'd love to have a go at? I'm not saying a professional capacity, you know, <laughs> but just you'd be like that looks like a bit of crack. Yeah, I, I, I suppose uh, quarterback, you'd have, you'd have to give, give it a go. Um, you wouldn't be taking as many hits as the rest of the lads as well, so you're getting protected a bit more. So I suppose, no, I don't think I'd have the arm for it, but um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool to give it a give it a try and train it once or twice, I suppose. The next Tom Brady. Mark Jackson, thanks so much for joining <laughs> us, and best of luck, man. Th- thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks a million. Have a good one. Have a good one. Cheers. 
Thanks, Mill, to all our contributors here on the big red bench. Reminder, I finished Munster 21, Crusaders 19 in Super Value Park, Kiev. Scotland held on to the uh, win there, Six Nations game 27 to 26 in what also seemed like a cracker at the end. At halftime in Cork City's preseason fixture versus Shells, City are down 2 0. Dan Casey signing off here on Cork's Good Times Red FM. Stevie G is on the way next with the block party. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.